Devoid of Space is a space horror anthology. The content of these episodes may not be for everyone, so please listen with care. This episode, Material Culture, contains the following content warnings. Insects. Orius, how far are we from our destination? At our current velocity, we will arrive at the destination in less than 60 Earth Standard Minutes. And how far are we from the closest inhabited settlement? Traveling at the highest safe velocity, the closest inhabited settlement is 84 Earth Standard Hours from our current position. <sighs> okay, and how far from the nearest gate? Traveling at the highest safe velocity, the closest Empyrean Ripple Gate is 114 Earth Standard Hours from our current position. Remind me why I'm doing this. What was that? I'm sorry, I couldn't quite understand your question. Are you looking for your scheduled reminders? <sighs> no. Thank you, Aureus. Aureus? Play last saved message, please. Playing. This is Dr. F. Muggins-Hawk of the IRV ESON for Dr. Kim Miranda of the IRV Aureus. I repeat, this is Dr. F. Muggins-Hawk of the IRV ESON, reaching out in contact to Dr. Kim Miranda of the IRV Aureus. If you are the operator of a private relay and have found yourself in receipt of this message, Please be advised that subsection 184B of the Martian Extrasolar Research Act requires that you forward it to the closest public broadcasting relay at your earliest convenience. Failure to do so may incur fines of up to 500 STCU or the equivalent amount in your local currency. Thank you for your cooperation. Kim, I know we haven't always seen eye to eye. But this is... What I want to say is that this is the discovery of a lifetime. But at this point in our professional relationship, I am familiar with your perspective on my overly enthusiastic devotion to any pseudo-site with a good PR team. So I will restrain myself. 
there are some things I know you'll just have to see for yourself. And so, attached to this message is my current location. What I've discovered here is far more valuable than whatever centuries-old failed colony ship you're gunning to win awards for picking apart this time. You once told me that you were waiting with bated breath for the day I discovered something of real scientific merit. I'm calling on you now to make good on that. Unless, of course, you have been following my work out of a personal interest in humiliating me. But... I am assuming good faith. And, assuming good faith, I look forward to having you join me in this discovery. Don't keep me waiting, Kim. You'll be kicking yourself if you do. I can promise you that. Message ends. The following options are available to you. Save. Delete. Download. Forward. Save. You have chosen to save this message eight times. Downloading important messages is recommended to prevent accidental deletion in the event of hypersaturation of the comm system. Would you like to download this message? No. Message saved. Aureus, is the communication system aboard the IRV Eozone currently accessible? The independent research vessel, Eozone, is within communications range. That's not what I asked. I'm sorry, I must have misunderstood your question. Aureus, is the communication system aboard the IRV Aezoan currently accepting transmissions from this vessel? The communication system of the independent research vessel, Eozoon, appears to be operational but is not accepting transmissions at this time. You always were a piece of work, weren't you, Freddy? Alert! 18 Earth Standard Hours have elapsed since the independent research vessel, Eozoon, has come into communications range. During this period, zero attempted transmissions have been marked received. According to the Amazonian Bureau for Extrasolar Travel and Tourism, extended periods of unresponsiveness from a stationary vessel may indicate distress, conflict, or malfunction. Would you like to broadcast an emergency beacon on behalf of this vessel? Thank you, Aureus, but no. I'm sure she's just being dramatic. Although the collected Martian Code of Human Ethics does not consider failure to render aid a punishable offense, the Amazonian Charter of Rights and Duties states the following. Any such person who claims allegiance to the great nation of Amazonicia and who, in traveling, allows their relation to that great nation to be known, is compelled by both law and moral goodness to attempt assistance of those in peril, be they countrymen or foreigner. As a citizen of Amazonicia, you may be found culpable should representatives of a legally recognized investigative body determine your inaction has led to preventable harm or loss of life. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. What are you doing, Freddy? What could possibly be out here that you think is worth calling me over for, but not worth answering my calls now that I'm here? I could turn around. I could turn around and go right back to Mars. I'd have lost nothing but time and fuel. But you know that, don't you? Of course you do.
transmission undeliverable. Of course. Alert. 18 Earth Standard Hours have elapsed since the independent Aureus, research person. We just went over this. Although the collected Martian yes, code of I human understand. ethics does I not consider failure to render the aid first a punishable offense. Are you hearing me, Aureus? Yes. No disruptions to the communication system, then? The communication system is operating within acceptable parameters. No disruptions have been detected. <sighs> Great. Let's see if my pitching arm is still what it used to be. I'm going to scratch and dent my way all the way through your nice new ceramic overlayer if you don't stop playing coy with me, Freddy. Don't think I won't. God damn it, Freddy. You know, if I felt like it, I could use my door cracker on this airlock. Call it suspicion of imminent distress. No one would blame me. You could be running out of air in there, for all I know. Due to a high risk of complications, it is not advised to breach the hull or airlock of a ship in distress unless absolutely necessary. Would you like to... Assess the internal atmospheric composition and temperature of the independent research vessel, Eozoon. You can do that? Yes. Huh. I guess I'm just not used to finding ships with the Atmos still intact. Uh, yes, please. Aureus, that would be very helpful. Unfortunately, I am currently unable to. Assess the internal atmospheric composition and temperature of the independent research vessel, Eozoon. <sighs> Given that you brought it up, I'm going to assume that there must be something I can do to determine what's going on inside the IRV Eozoan. Is that correct, Aureus? Yes. According to the Milnes Iris Aerospace Manufacturer's Guide, the hull of this model features a hidden access panel intended for use during pre-service diagnostics. The Mount Eris Aerospace Manufacturer's Guide? Why do you have that? Uh, In never the event mind. of a potential emergency, accurate <sighs> assessment of the Imperial vessel Where's the is panel, critical The panel is located 14 centimeters to the left of the frame of the outer airlock. Uh... Okay, high or low? The panel is level with the airlock viewing port. So, eye level. That makes sense, I guess. Ah, there you are. Jeez, you are well hidden, aren't you? Alright, I found it. What's next? When operating in a low or zero gravity environment, Aureus. please utilize the adjacent handholds to stabilize only, yourself. Please. 
To access the panel, apply pressure to the panel cover. This may require some force. Alright, here we go. Christ, you weren't kidding. Okay, I've got it open. Next step, please. To access this vessel's diagnostic system, connect the communications line in your left glove to the exposed surface of the panel interior. Okay, I can do that. Can you connect via surface-to-surface -surface contact? Just please tell me I don't need to cut my glove open for this. This panel is designed to optimize operator safety and convenience. So, yes? I can just press my palm against the contact pad? Yes. Okay. You know, it'd make my life a lot easier if you were less... diplomatic about everything, Aureus. Please maintain full contact for best results. Uh-huh. Not even going to acknowledge that one, huh? The internal atmospheric composition and temperature of the independent research vessel, Eozoon, is within acceptable parameters. Uh, okay. I'll admit, I'm a little underwhelmed, Aureus. I was expecting something more... useful. Would you like a detailed breakdown of the internal atmospheric composition and temperature of the independent research vessel, Eozoon? No, no thank you. I don't suppose there's any way you can tell me if anyone is aboard, based on this information? Over the past 24 Earth Standard Hours, the atmospheric regulation system aboard this vessel has noted a gradual increase in atmospheric oxygen. This can be presumed to be due to the presence of oxygen-producing organisms. And that's it? Yes. So nobody's home except a couple of plants. Probably hydroponics or an algae bed. Yes. And you'd be able to tell if she died in there. The Atmo Reg would know. The atmospheric regulation system aboard this vessel has not noted an increase in any gases associated with human decomposition. <sighs> okay, that's... weird. Where the hell are you, Freddy? Alright. Might as well get something out of it. I'm sure my students will get a kick out of this. Aureus, start log. Now recording. This is Dr. Kim Miranda of the IRV Aureus. I'm currently planetside on an unfamiliar planetoid orbiting HAW 58 4. I was asked to come here by my colleague, Dr. F. Muggins-Hawk of the IRV Eozoan, who claims to have discovered something of significant scientific importance at this location, though she did not see fit to specify exactly what. <sighs> Given the nature of prior publications by Dr. Muggins-Hawk, it's my belief that it would be reasonable to assume she is under the impression that this discovery is somehow xeno-archaeological in nature. Despite coming into communications range of the IRV Eozoan nearly 24 Terran hours ago, I have been unable to make contact with the vessel or her crew. 
and examination of the eozoan via internal diagnostics indicates that while the vessel is operable, no living person or persons are currently aboard, nor have any been for more than a Terran day. I assume Dr. Muggins-Hawk is the sole resident of the abandoned vessel, as this would be in keeping with her behavior in the past, but I cannot confirm this to be true without further evidence. <sighs> Whatever the truth is, this is strange. It's strange that the Eozoan has been left unoccupied for this long. While this planetoid does have an atmosphere compatible with most low-impact surface suits and standard atmofiltration systems, the mountainous terrain and low temperature don't exactly invite sightseeing. This is not a place I would expect to find tourism, let alone actual sustained human habitation. It's too cold and too remote to be a good candidate for, well, much of anything. And yet, while in orbit, I marked the presence of an unusual structure near to where the IRV Eozoan had been set down, and on closer examination, determined it to be a fairly standard prefabricated industrial housing unit. Simply put, a hab. Likely a survey station. I had assumed, perhaps a bit naively, that answers would be more forthcoming once I was planetside. Well, I was correct about one thing. It is a survey station. And despite the fact that I now have the benefit of looking at it directly, I still don't know why it's here. For the record, I'd like to note that while the surface of this planetoid appears almost sterile from orbit, there is life here. Some sort of unusually dense lichen or dry spongy moss. Its coverage of the terrain is fairly comprehensive, but it's very light in color, rendering it almost indistinguishable from the adjacent rock. So interestingly enough, it's also growing on the exterior walls and airlock of the survey station, which suggests that it requires very little texture to find purchase. Unfortunately, that does mean I have no way of immediately identifying who the station belongs to, or belonged to, not without making the decision to cause considerable damage to the native flora. I'm going to assume belonged is the correct tense to use here. The extent of the overgrowth is such that the HAB's solar panels have been completely obscured. All that said, I can state with reasonable confidence that nobody's lived here for a while. As much as I'd like to speculate, without understanding the growth rate of the local flora, it's genuinely impossible to even begin to guess at a timeline. All right. If there are answers, they'll have to be within. There's power to the electronics, which means the backup generator is still operational. That's a good sign. Oh, okay, good. 
The overgrowth doesn't seem to be causing problems with the airlock's ability to cycle, which I'll admit I was a bit concerned about. I'm making a note here that this panel didn't require any sort of authentication or access code. This airlock allows for free entry, which would suggest that whoever lived here wasn't particularly worried about security. Might have been something they considered unnecessary, given the remoteness of the site. Huh? Huh. <laughs> well, Freddy's been here. There's dirt on the floor of the airlock. A bit of gravel, some organic debris. Fresh organic debris. Must have come in on Freddy's boots. Anything older would have turned to dust by now. Hmm. There's not a whole lot of wear on this floor. Big corporations like Outward and Emberwell, they'll tell you that their floors are designed to prevent grip tread wear down. But if that were true, the EHSC wouldn't have a box for it on their assessment forms. Even in smaller, newer HABs like this one, a certain amount of treadwear is just inevitable. It's less obvious, since three or four pairs of feet don't provide nearly the sort of traffic you need to wear a floor completely smooth, but you can still see it if you know what you're looking for. And this floor is pretty new. <sighs> Couldn't have been cheap, building this place all the way out here, but... I don't think this airlock saw anywhere near the use it needed to to be worth that sort of expense. If I had to guess, I'd say this building couldn't have been inhabited for longer than a year? Year and a half? Maybe even less. Well, onward and inwards. Everything seems to be functioning correctly, so far. I'm not hearing any signs of damage to any of the mechanisms. No whining, no thumping. Inside's the same. About what I had expected. A bit dusty, but no immediate signs of system malfunction or conflict between inhabitants. As much as I love how cinematic this place looks in the dull orange haze of the emergency lights, I somehow don't think they are going to be very conducive to helping me determine whether or not my colleague considers this to be part of her grand discovery. Huh. Yeah, this place looks as though it'd be completely operational if the solar panels were cleared. Obviously, I can't be sure, but... Aureus, what's the atmosphere looking like in here? Anything unusual? 
Sensors indicate an atmospheric composition within acceptable parameters for human habitation. However, particulate accumulating in your suit's filtration system indicates the presence of mold spores commonly associated with contaminated or improperly serviced food storage. This structure would require extensive sanitization in order to qualify as safe for habitation. So we've got mold. Yes. That's, uh, great, but it doesn't really explain this. Astratide. Do you recognize this company, Aureus? Unfortunately, I am unable to access the networks necessary from my current location. Would you like to log this inquiry for later? Yeah, sure. Something to look into. I'd like to state for the record that, apart from the obvious signs of disuse, this appears to be a completely stock HAB unit. And I mean, completely stock. There's absolutely nothing unusual about this HAB except for the fact that it's this well-stocked, and no one's here. For those who may not be familiar, it's fairly standard corporate practice to customize items that can be reclaimed and reused. It's just one more way of shaving down the corners on a project budget. I mean, after all, why furnish a new hab with all-new dishware and cutlery when you could just reuse the same sets over and over again? And customizing them is something of an anti-theft measure. Putting a brand name or logo on an object is a way of reminding employees that no matter how attached they get, their favorite mug was never really theirs to begin with. <laughs> it doesn't actually work, but they still do it. I wasn't necessarily expecting this place to have been properly cleared out. It's far enough into the nothing that reclamation might genuinely have been more expensive than the bulk replacement of lost goods. But I was expecting, at least, some of the station kit to be gone. Because, well, plainly, underpaid survey station workers have a habit of trying to get their money's worth. Especially when they know a reclamation crew isn't coming. It's just human nature. You take a mug here, a bowl there, and no one has to know about it. All of these sets are complete. The cups, the plates, the cutlery, it's all here. I know someone lived here because there's wear in the airlock and a bowl on the table that looks like it might be the source of our mold spores, but nothing is missing. Nothing is gone. No suits by the airlock. That's a good sign. The last thing you want to see in any abandoned settlement is spare suits. What's... Huh. Something in one of the bedrooms is glowing. Yeah. Never would have seen that with the emergency lights on. This definitely doesn't belong here. 
It's a field relay. Not only do HABs like this one have their own built-in communication systems. By law, all HABs have to come equipped with at least one standard-issue emergency relay. Not to say nobody's ever skirted that rule before, but if you were going to, you wouldn't do it by replacing an emergency relay with a field relay. They're both a lot more expensive and a hell of a lot easier to lose. And the only people who carry around field relays tend to be field researchers. Like me. And Freddy. Aureus, I'm going to take a wild guess and say you're not receiving any transmissions from this relay right now. While this relay is active and detectable, it is currently transmitting to a discrete communications network and cannot be accessed. And now we know what the Eozoan's comm system was so preoccupied with. I know you had a flair for the dramatic, Freddy, but this is just ridiculous. Using a field relay to run a closed direct line to your ship? Really? Nobody was going to come all the way out here just to intercept your fucking research notes. Jeez. That should do it. Anything she wants to say to her private little research log, she can say to me instead. Aureus, give the relay network a ping and let me know when a new transmission comes in. This relay is already transmitting an ongoing signal. A constant signal? Yes. Patch it into my suit comms. Connecting. What? Aureus? Can you confirm for me whether or not this relay is attempting to contact other relays in the area? This relay is in contact with eight relays in the area. Okay. Great. This is Dr. Kim Miranda of the IRV Aureus. Freddy? Are you there? What the hell? Aureus, my message went out, right? I am detecting no abnormalities in your connection to the relay network. What the hell? Aureus. I want you to mute the feed unless I'm actively attempting contact or you detect something that sounds like speech. Feed muted. Thank you, Aureus. It's gotta be a relay spacing issue. Freddy didn't distribute them correctly and now the signal's all garbled. God, I'm gonna fucking lose it if Freddy's been keeping up a running monologue for the past 24 hours and it hasn't even been making it back to her ship. Just incredible. Aureus, I'm guessing the other eight relays are clustered in and around a single location? Yes. Great. Can you locate the nearest relay for me? (sighs) 
And you're sure you didn't see anything unusual when we were in orbit? Yes. Unfortunately, not all abnormalities can be detected via orbital imaging. It is possible that an artificial structure or topographical anomaly may have been obscured by elements of the surrounding landscape. Without extensive surface exploration, it is impossible to conclusively state that no abnormalities are present. <sighs> Which means you're not willing to commit <clears throat> to something being there, but you're not willing to commit to nothing being there. Yes. <sighs> Ever the diplomat. As a Class H automated research assistant, I am designed to form probable conclusions based on a combination of available evidence and applicable precedent. Uh-huh. Freddy, this is getting old. I know you're out here, and I know you can at least sort of hear me. Freddy. I'm not fucking around. What's to stop me from just turning around and going home? Oh my god. I've noticed you're no longer moving towards the destination. Is everything alright? They're not mountains. Why didn't I notice? They weren't mountains. Sensors indicate your suit's communication system should be functioning as intended. Hello. Can you hear me? Uh, yes, yeah, sorry. Boreas, I'm... I'm here. Oh my god. Aureus? Have you ever seen a termite mound? Are you looking for more information on the nest-building behaviors of insect species belonging to taxonomical order Isoptera? <laughs> no. Or maybe yes. I don't... I really don't know. God, I understand why she was so insistent now. I'm not sure I could qualify this discovery as necessarily... archaeological in nature, but... it is... certainly spectacular. There's no denying that. For the benefit of those listening, while the surface of this planetoid did appear initially to be mountainous, Further evidence suggests the possibility that what appear to be mountains are, in fact, built structures. They're by no means identical to the habitats created by either Martian or Terran termites, but the similarities are certainly there. The difference is largely a matter of scale. The native flora is making visual assessment of the site difficult. I don't think I can even conclusively say these openings have a uniform size and shape. 
With the way they're overgrown, it's impossible to tell. I do think I can say with some confidence that these are not excavations into existing outcroppings. What I can see of the exposed rock face has an unfamiliar texture, almost globular. It doesn't look at all consistent with what I know of natural rock formations. It doesn't look like cooled lava flow either. It looks melted and rolled. There's so much detail, but at a glance, if you don't know to look, they really do just look like mountains. But then you see a doorway and suddenly you're seeing hundreds of them. <sighs> Something certainly lived here. Something that could shape stone on a truly staggering scale. Huh. Something at least as large as an adult human, judging by the size of this hole. But again, I can't confirm that these openings are at all standardized, so it's entirely possible that this is either an unusually large or an unusually small point of ingress. Freddy? I'm here. I found it. You can stop being cute about it. Freddy, come on. Say something. Anything. <sighs> Maybe it really is the relay. Tracking says the next closest field relay is about a hundred meters to the northwest, which is in this tunnel, and nowhere near as close to the entrance as I would have recommended. There's no telling what the reception is like in a structure like this one. But you always did do things your own way, didn't you, Freddy? Well, onwards and inwards. Aureus, are you still hearing me? The communication system is operating within acceptable parameters. No disruptions have been detected. Okay. Let me know if that changes. Yes. Huh. The moss-like overgrowth on the surface doesn't extend into the tunnel more than a few paces. No further than the light can reach, would be my guess. 
And speaking of the light, it's getting very dark in here, very quickly. Whoever you were, you had much better low-light vision than we do, didn't you? Hmm. I think I can see the relay up ahead. Let me get a little more light in here. Oh. Oh, wow. Aureus? Tell me this suit comes equipped with a body camera? Unfortunately, this model of surface suit does not come equipped with an onboard camera. God. God, what a shame. I should have brought my equipment. Why didn't I bring my equipment? <sighs> because I thought you were full of shit, Freddy. Fuck me. I suppose this could be the result of whatever technique was used to build this tunnel. This could be completely incidental, but... No. No, that wouldn't be consistent with the surface of the exterior, would it? And I'll be damned if this doesn't look intentionally decorative. The walls, the ceiling, the floor. They're all covered in complex designs. I can already see repeating motifs. God. <laughs> Look. It's treadwear. The raised parts of the designs on the floors are worn down. Worn almost smooth in spots. A high-traffic passageway. Oh my god, Freddy. You motherfucker, are you really about to make a liar out of me? Aureus, I've got the second relay. Patch me in. Connecting. You know, Aureus, I don't understand why this feed is so muddy. I'm not having any trouble reaching you. What the hell? Freddy? I'm here, Freddy. I understand. I understand why you called me. God, how'd you even find this place? It's in the middle of nowhere. Freddy? Freddy? I'm saying you were right. You win. Why won't you answer me? Oh, please answer me. Freddy? Why is this tunnel so clean? The flora sheds. But the only debris I'm seeing here is what I tracked in. 
Where's the dirt you tracked in? Ready? I know you went further in. I can see the light of the next relay up ahead. Freddy? Why is this tunnel so clean? The only thing I can think of is that somebody's been cleaning up after you. And that can't be it. Right? That can't be it. Oh, God. Freddy? Freddy, if you can hear me, please give me a sign. Anything. Come on, Freddy. You don't need to talk. Just give me a sign. Freddy? Okay. Okay. Boreas? How many field relays did you say were out there? There are eight field relays in the area. Where are they? Give me a breakdown. Relay 2 is approximately 110 meters northwest of your current position. Relay 3 is approximately 410 meters northwest of your current position. Relay 4 is approximately 710 meters northwest of your current position. Relays 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 are approximately 1,157 meters northwest of your current position. Those last ones? They're clustered together? Yes. Freddy? Freddy? Boreas, please broadcast an emergency beacon on behalf of the IRV Eozoan. Now broadcasting. Void of Space is a sci-fi horror anthology created and produced by Charlie Cruz O'Neill. It is an affiliate of Law of Names Media. You can find more information at devoidofspace.lawofnames.com or on a Twitter or Tumblr at Devoid of Space. This episode, Material Culture, was written and directed by Kale Brown and edited by Kale Brown. It features the voices of Dr. Kim Miranda was voiced by Risa Montañez. 
Aureus was voiced by Maddie Opincaro. Dr. F. Muggins Hawk was voiced by Daisy McNamara. The music was written by Michael Freitag, and the logo was created by Cassie Cruz O'Neill. The episode art was created by Kale Brown. Remember, this space is anything but safe. <laughs>